well, I want to go ahead and play a clip from uh, the past episode, episode two, uh, to just kind of remind people about what this past episode was about and then also get James's reaction uh, to this clip. Jules! Jules, come on, open up! Jessica, what are you doing? Oh, thank God you're here. Here, take these keys. No, not those ones, these ones. And you'll be here all day, right? Well, I... Good, so sometime between two and four, or maybe one, give the keys to a girl, but I've got to go. Bye. Wait, Jessica, any girl? No, my daughter. Bye. She has a daughter? All right, so that was (laughs) interesting. It was... It's too commonplace it, for me. Yeah, I, mean, I understand my own rush. That I mean, I feel like that's that's what I think of as like kind of classic ADHD, right? It's it's high, oh it's God. high energy. It's very fast. It's like very. It's it's all these things happening all at once. Yeah, it's very pressurized. Um, it's right. last minute. It's rapid speech. They don't really get all the information across, right. and they throw it at you, and then they leave. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and this was kind of the moment that we learned that. Jessica has a daughter, which can also be kind of ADHD because she didn't have the evaluation to tell me as the apartment manager that her daughter is coming, you know, to stay with her, um, which isn't a huge deal. But like if I need to let her in and all that kind of right. stuff, then then it is. Um, and so. There's a couple moments I, I kind of want to get into the family aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So, right. Uh, there's a couple moments in the episode that we see Jessica and Jade's different kind of uh, ADHD, yeah, right? right. Um, but I'm curious, is that... So ADHD is inheritable. Yes. Is the type of ADHD inheritable? Like, is that does that carry through in a family? Like, if for instance, if you had... Um, you know, like this, the 85%, the right, combined type. The mm-hmm. combined type would it be more likely that your kids would have the combined type or not necessarily? Uh, Not necessarily. So when you look in families, uh, the diagnostic criteria can show up very differently. And I've seen inattentive, uh, combined types, hyperactive types, actually in one family system. Um, And it looks very unusual. If you look at our family system, I have combined type. My son has hyperactive impulsive. Um, And so that's not predictable because it's how the genetics line up, um, you know, at birth. And so, is there any strategies outside of um, kind of talking about it that that you sure. can do to to help help these kinds of family situations when they do come up? Well, like I said, um, I have worked with multiple families where I literally have education sessions about what it is or isn't what it looks like in families. Yeah. Um, the other thing uh, that you also want I want to remember to say about families is that emotional differences, sensitivities to processing information or how things work effectively for math or academics can cause problems that exacerbate different kinds of attention issues. So it's just not attention issues. There can be different characteristics within family members that make it worse or better. Um, but if you talk about strategies that are effective, I think one of the most effective ones that was intriguing in our, my own family was that we would do family meetings. And family uh-huh. meetings was a way to uh, talk out things that were coming up, vacations, uh, remodeling the house, the, what the family's going through. What call, and kind, kind of, of a, like what you expect of everybody. And yeah, what kind is, of a state of the union. Okay. But, but see, in these kind of family meetings, what you're doing is you're 
you're allowing family members, children as well as parents, to bring a voice mm. to how they feel or what they see as best. Because as I talk about, uh, and I may have mentioned, you know, in our, my first af- afterthoughts about personalizing strategies. Yeah. I believe the person with the diagnosis is is the most effective one to figure out what's going to work. And so like in a family meeting that a family's having, um, a child or even a parent with the diagnosis can say, I'm going to try this Mm -hmm. strategy that they personalize in the next week. And, you know, next month when the family gets together, they can reflect on it. Yeah. But it's this way of everybody being accountable and responsible. Yeah. And one person's not telling someone to do something, um, which reminds me that generally the spouse or who doesn't have ADHD unfortunately gets labored with all the details, yeah, yeah. as my dear wife has <laughs> too many times in her life. And and you want to try to lessen that mm. uh, issue as much as you can. Family meetings, things like that are great ways to do it. So I want to go ahead and play a second clip. Oh, wait, did you bring up all these bags? Jay, don't tell me you made my landlord carry up all your stuff! Well, he offered. It's not a big deal. I need my exercise today anyways. Well, you shouldn't have had to do that. Honey, what's in all those bags? Did they let you bring that many on the plane? If there's no sleepy tea, is there at least wakey tea? Mommy! So, I'm just standing there, watching this whole thing unfold. Jade never did say what was in all those bags, but they both seemed to forget all about it. There had been all this tension and then it just evaporated. The next thing I knew, they invited me to play board games. Board games? Yeah. You should see Jessica's closet. The games are just stacked to the top, most of which I've never even heard of. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. It is. Uh, Not anything I haven't heard or seen before. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I I think it is Uh. something that this particular instance could be a big rubbing point for a lot of people that are literally just around ADHD um, and don't necessarily have it themselves. And so something that I kind of wanted to ask you is how is it that uh, people with ADHD are able to jump between tasks and situations so easily, especially when those tasks and situations might be, very emotionally tumultuous right yeah is is that because they can like detach from their emotions easily or is that because they just jump around so much uh they jump around so much and they don't emotionally detach and let me explain a little bit about that okay okay so first of all if you think uh the idea of jumping from task to task and you think about the ideas of distraction or impulsivity kind of driving that i'm Mm -hmm. distracted i'm impulsive i think about this and that and hyper energy it can be obviously very irritating or disruptive. Mm-hmm. Yet I will tell you, if you need to move fast in a stressful situation or an emergency situation or something like that, or in a fine, a fun kind of shiny game that yeah. y'all were playing. Uh, like Jumping Cliffs, the Armenian ex- skill. Exactly. Right? <laughs> um, then that you can move that hyper energy towards something novel or fun, and yeah. then it becomes useful. Mm. Uh, and I've worked with many adults on the spectrum of high-energy jobs or startups or uh, emergency room medical doctors, and they're incredibly good at what they do because it's really it's driving their hyper-energy somewhere where they can really function well. Yeah. Uh, not that it won't be annoying. So the jumping from task to task, hyper-energy, distraction, impulsivity is where it comes from. Okay. Um, 
Yet, uh, the other piece, though, is the moving on. Mm-hmm. So you said it was right. kind of like they just went from one thing to another, and they, they didn't remember what happened. Yeah. So in that distraction or impulsivity, uh, there is also, we know genetically, an underactivity in the neurology of the prefrontal cortex of executive functioning in the mind, the mm-hmm. planning and prioritizing and evaluating. Well, if you think about that, and I jump from task to task, I didn't really evaluate that I missed the emotion or I went past it. I just went to another place. Yeah. Okay. Here's the kicker, though. Even though it appears they jumped and they didn't feel or don't have the emotion anymore, Mm -hmm. I really believe that, you know, my theory of ADHD along what I call the emotional distress syndrome, which is this emotional and mental stress that spins off of it. Yeah is still adding up kind of behind the scenes. Okay. So even though they appear to no longer be feeling it, mm-hmm. think about it as being distracted from it or they're on to something else, Yeah. but the body still felt it. Yeah. You still went through the rapid heart rate or uh, the, the tension in your shoulders. Mm-hmm. All that stuff builds up. Yeah. And it's always been my concern that that buildup then is what creates what I talk about is these storms in my book mm-hmm. that kind of, this is where I think they come from. That's where it overflows and everything kind of, it does, it pops yeah. or it bubbles up. And you know, the interesting thing, like if you had been playing that game yeah, and for whatever reason you went back and referred to the disruption, right? It might've disrupted Spun it back again. into it. It, it right. might've er- erupted it. Gotcha. Again. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's That's not even one of those things of, Kind of out of sight, out of mind sometimes yeah. is what it feels like. So is is there any way to kind of help that? Because when I when I think about that kind of situation, my non-ADHD brain wants to go back to that situation and be like, no, let's let's address all this. Mm-hmm. Let's like, you know, work it out and, and piece it apart. Would that actually be helpful for somebody with ADHD or would it just be triggering? Well, it's a it's a it's actually a very important aspect of this that if you um, it's helpful in yeah. the right circumstance and situation okay if you look at the emotional and mental stress of ADHD and you're not used to knowing how to talk through it or mm-hmm. feel safe or feel listened to mm-hmm. then someone else bringing it up even in a casual conversation that says hey you were really stressed out back here and it affected me or I kind of wondered, you know, and you try to talk it out with someone with ADHD and they're not used to it yeah, or they feel like they're being targeted or suddenly they failed again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very complicated in that space. And so they can get reactive, defensive, disruptive. And so a strategy though for family members and people working with them can be, the idea of what I call kind of a curious observation of okay. the event. So you could say something to Jade or Jessica that might be like, so this and this happened, and I was just curious what y'all thought about it or uh, you know, what that was about. And I don't know, and you kind of, but you play it kind of easy, uh, but it can be helpful to talk it through, particularly if it's going to stress out a relationship long term. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the best way to I mean I think this interaction this this idea of interacting with somebody kind of uh is universal, not necessarily just ADHD. Like when you come 
at someone to talk to them about something coming at them from a curious standpoint about why they did it and what happened and and just talking about the situation from a curious standpoint not an attacking or a defensive standpoint that can be very effective in finding resolution and getting something actually done yeah right yeah and that's true across the board whether it's adhd or not it's a good relationship yeah um, interaction right for sure but it's especially important with adhd because it is so easy to trigger yeah those kinds of situations Yeah, there's a lot of hypersensitivity around this past history and it's one of the things i i work so much on with clients and i talk about in my book and develop strategies for is you know how do you learn to stay centered and calm and listen to others and And that that triggerability is really what the emotional distress syndrome is right yep and okay so how how would somebody with adhd let's go to the other side of the coin how does somebody with adhd get to a place to where they're not as triggered because obviously that's not fun for the person with adhd and it's not fun for the person who's trying to approach them Yes. So how can how can the ADHD person also help this situation while the person coming at them comes at it from a curious standpoint? Well, it, it's a very high responsibility, as I talk about it, and people diagnosed with ADHD. That once you you have a, a valid diagnosis, that really does you begin to understand your responsibility is actually higher for learning to manage it. Mm-hmm. And in this case, learning to manage it is how to emotionally stay centered and rebalance yourself. Uh, So much of that starts is what I call from the inside out, meaning you start to develop an internal strength in yourself uh, around using your imagination and your emotional safe place that kind of keeps you grounded in your sense of yourself. Um, That's one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is the ideas of mindfulness and meditation mm-hmm. in learning to deep breathe, learning to recenter yourself for short periods of time. Yeah. If you've listened to other work, I've, I've talked about the ideas of micro meditations, which are like three minute meditations throughout mm-hmm. your day yeah. to recenter yourself, taking a breath when you're having a conversation like this mm-hmm. more often than like not. Consciously taking a breath. Yeah, going and, to get a glass of water. Yeah. Um, Changing the situation, going for a walk, yeah. sitting outside, and finding a some chair. way to like center yourself. Yeah, some way to center yourself, okay. and some way to kind of manage the stress and kind of let it uh, just bleed um, kind off. Of dis- for a yeah, second. bleed off or yeah. dissipate. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I want to play one more clip. This will be the last clip, and then I have one more question for you. Jules? <laughs> I didn't think you ever left the complex. <laughs> I get out occasionally. I didn't think anyone else did sunrise slacklining, especially when it's freezing outside. Yeah, it's cold, but I really need this. When I'm up here trying to balance, I stop yelling at myself to focus. It's almost like my ADHD goes away. Oh, I didn't know you have ADHD. You don't act like it. <laughs> right. That shows how well you know me. I'm a classic case. Check it out. My socks don't match. A lot of people's socks don't match. Yeah, but usually that's on purpose. Not with me, though. I'm surprised my shirt's not on inside out. But you always look so put together. Plus, aren't you a lawyer or something? Yeah, I'm a lawyer or something. Uh, The difference between me and most people, though, is I have 400 rabbits running around in my head, which honestly can be really handy and really irritating.
Okay, so we yeah. see that ADHD can be very shiny. Yeah, obviously slacklining right. is, is pretty shiny. Yeah, and um, it's something that's I think we need to address, especially um, when it comes to relationships. Yes. Right, because I think the parental relationship in a family can almost be as important, if not more important, than the relationship with the children that have ADHD. Because if you yes. don't have that basis, then you need, you yes. know, then you're not going to have the basis with the kid. Yes. And I will tell you, with it being a genetic base, um, obviously one of the parents generally is going to have the diagnosis of ADHD. And one and might not. Yeah. And I will tell you, relationships could be an entirely separate podcast. Yeah. Uh, because they're so multifaceted and, and, and uh, disrupted in so many different ways. Uh, but you're right. If the parents or the couple in a family uh, isn't well-centered or connected, then it can cause all kind of problems yeah. uh, because it, it really does. I mean, they're leading the way by example in many times yeah. on how they work things out. Right. And so, you know, in the beginning of a relationship, it can feel very... Uh, intriguing and shiny and fun and exciting right. because right. that is ADHD. It's very fun and exciting. And there's a lot of things that mm -hmm. they love to do. Um, but then later on, I don't know if that shininess goes away or if there's like just things that disrupt it, but it, it in so many relationships with like an ADHD -er and a non ADHD -er, right there ends up being problems. Well, yes, there does. And yeah. you have to remember. Okay? There ends up being problems around ADHD, not just sure, the relationship. Sure, around ADHD right. and the relationship. But remember that I talk about long-term happy marriages mm. are messy. Meaning yeah. that there's a lot of complicated lines of stress or aging or raising children. They don't have to be hurtful or abusive. Yeah. Okay? So the messiness is learning how to reset or center or take care of yourself. Um, but you're right, that high intensity of ADHD or the disruptedness, um, it can be a, certainly a major long-term problem in relationships. Uh, the challenge comes when that hyper energy doesn't slow down or it becomes too much for yeah. the person who doesn't have ADHD or the degree of exhaustion starts to set in, but somebody with attention issues doesn't recognize it and they just yeah. keep moving toward it. Right. So there, this is this is where the shininess is great to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be, it, it can kind of wear down or wear off its welcome, so to speak. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not going to go away, <laughs> and so the person learns to. Uh, they're in charge of the spontaneous planning once a month for the couple yeah. and what they're going to do. They they learn to channel it somewhere. So yeah, so kind of. I mean, you're kind of getting into that already. But what are some strategies that couples and families can use around navigating situations that they feel are kind of disrupting like this shininess that they felt well i mean some of it is going to be related to um, uh, having it directed in a certain area like i said you know let's go do we're going to do an activity that's fun mm -hmm. and exciting um or that has a limited kind of two or three hour window to it mm -hmm. um but communicating clarity about details of timing, when this is going to happen. A lot of times I will encourage couples, like I've talked about with uh, family meeting ideas, is that couples have a couples meeting 
Mm. That yeah. they really talk about what I call as the state of the union. Yeah. And that's going to be things from organizing around the house to yeah. vacations to financial issues. And, you know, even in my own marriage, it's taken me years. And I think, God, eight, nine, ten years later, I'm much more um, effective. And my wife, Edie, we, we are much more effective at talking these things mm-hmm. out. Um, and I really see them as a very intimate time that yeah. we're connected with each other. And lo and behold, it certainly keeps me up with all the details. Yeah. And it would right. for somebody with attention issues because I may miss seeing something or understanding how to evaluate something. Yeah. So meeting together, learning to uh, communicate clarity and details, learning to have these kind of state of the union meetings on yeah. an ongoing basis. All those things are things you do to be uh, supportive and helpful of the diagnoses yeah. so that it doesn't become as much of a storm or you can work through those storms over time. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that'll do it for this episode of Afterthoughts. As far as where to get the coming episodes of The Complex, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you get the latest episode. If you want to read more about James's theories and ideas, go to jamesochoa.com and you can also get his book, Focused Forward, Navigating the Storms of ADHD on Amazon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time.